Welcome to the Picture Methods Podcast, your online home for photography insights and inspiration. Here is your host, Scott Vaughan. I am so excited to be back. Thank you for joining me on the inaugural edition of the Picture Methods Podcast. Right off the bat, I got a cold, so <laughs> an inauspicious start. But nevertheless, we're going to have fun. I've been wanting to get back into this game for a while. Kind of missed it, I have to say. I got real busy last year, but this year I'm going to take some time to do the things I love to do, more photography, more teaching, more writing, and of course, more podcasting. I'm going to give you a little bit of info on what we're going to do here and what you can expect every month on the Picture Methods podcast. It's going to be at least a monthly show. I do plan to do some fill-in shows or short shows, whatever you want to call them, as news breaks or something happens that I think I need to opine about. But typically, you can at least count on it around the second week of the month, every month. And yes, we'll be available in all the usual outlets for things like this, iTunes, etc. But you can always catch the show at picturemethods.com. And that is the most important bit of news to start this show with, is to let you know that everything's going to happen at picturemethods.com. That's my new site. Some of you have followed me from 20 years ago when I did photofocus.com. Well, now I'm doing picturemethods.com, and it's going to be done uh, in a way that I think will be helpful and edifying, instructional, insightful, and inspirational. At least those are my goals. Now, Every single week, I'm going to publish at least three, lately it's been four or five, posts at picturemethods.com. You'll find news there, you'll find reviews, you'll find inspiration and insights. I hope you'll visit it regularly. If you should decide to subscribe, you have two ways to do that. And neither way will involve me spamming you, I promise. Number one is I'm hosting this site on WordPress and there is a button that says subscribe via email. And what that means is your email goes to WordPress, not to me. WordPress has it. And then every time I do a post, they send you an email. So if you just want to stay up on what's going on, make sure you don't miss anything. I hope you'll use that subscribe. And here's why you might want to. I'm going to be announcing some contests and specials for subscribers They will see it first because they'll get the email. You will not be able to participate in those if you're not on that list. The second thing that's important is you can subscribe via RSS. There are RSS buttons on the site, and you can use whatever vehicle you like to capture the information that way. So please do stop by, check out the new blog, picturemethods.com. It'll have regularly refreshed content, and I hope you enjoy it. Now, I want to tell you what's happening on this show. We're going to have some photo news. There's a lot of it. Um, We're going to also have an interview with my friend Alex Sepko. He's the CEO of Luminar. And yes, some of you may know I've been involved with Luminar for the last year and a half. I am enjoying that program, so I'm going to have Alex on to talk about it. We're looking forward to that. I'm also going to do a QA and a on every show now. We used to do Q&A shows that were dedicated Q&A, and they were always popular. But I'm going to do Q&A in every show because I think it's important. We'll do two to four questions depending on how long I make the shows. And all you have to do to get in on that is to send me email, scott at picturemethods.com, and send me your questions, and I'll do my best to help. Now, one thing I'm going to do every show, no matter what, is I'm going to offer some words of encouragement. It's just become a pretty ugly world out there 
it's tough to become a photographer these days in that regard. So I'm going to give you the feelings of an old war horse and what I've been through and how you might be able to cut through all that negativity and do something positive. So that's going to happen in every single show. At least that's my goal. That's what I want to have happen. <laughs> I think I, I think it's important that we all try to hold each other up and to edify each other in this very, very difficult time that we find ourselves in. So without further ado. And now. It's time for the news. That's right. There's going to be news on every show. And in case you wondered, this is going to be a highly produced show. I can't help it. I have a background when I was a kid in broadcast radio. It may seem old-fashioned to you. I hope it doesn't annoy you. But I'm not going to stop doing it because I like it. But don't worry. I will refrain from hitting the snare drum button on my box. The big news this week was the announcement of the Olympus new flagship camera, the Olympus OMD EM1X. It's a $3,000 camera that's expected to ship on February 25th. By way of disclosure, I am an Olympus visionary, and I already have the camera. It's an integrated vertical grip. It has a very precise autofocus system with a new feature called an AF multi-selector. That's a fancy word for saying it has a joystick that helps you position the AF point. It also offers intelligent subject detection AF. Now, this is the first implementation we know of in a interchangeable lens camera of machine learning. It actually has been trained to look for certain subjects. It initially ships with this intelligent subject detention detection for trains and planes and race cars. Of course, I'm hoping for birds, but we'll see what happens. The biggest news about the cameras has two TruePic processors. That's the little computer inside that really runs the camera. Computational photography is the future of every camera out there, whether we like it or not. And this is the first hint of that in this camera because there are two processors, not just one. That means it's twice as fast. That's how it's able to do a lot of the cool things it does. Don't be fooled into thinking that sensors are going to dramatically change from here on out because they're not. What you're going to see instead is the computers that pull information from the sensors change. And this is an example of that. Now, they also managed to cram in another half stop of IS into this camera. I don't know how because the Mark II we thought had pretty much hit the theoretical limit of physics because of the earth's rotation that's how far along we've gotten but they managed to eke out another half stop it really does work the machine learning the computational photography being twice as fast these are all factors that make this camera noteworthy olympus also had a slew of other product announcements to go along with the new camera olympus announced a new weather resistant flash the fl 700 wr which has a retail price of $399.99. It uses a wireless radio TTL system and is compatible with Olympus TTL. It's dust splash and freeze proof. That means if you have a camera from Olympus that's weather sealed with a lens that's weather sealed and this flash, you can, you can take your whole rig out into the rain. No big deal. No problem. And the wireless stuff is new for Olympus. Olympus also announced the development of a pro telephoto super zoom <laughs> and a 2x teleconverter now this zoom 
I mean, I cannot help but be excited about this. It's not here yet. It won't be here for a year, but my gosh. The Olympus 150 to 400 F45, constant aperture, I might add, Pro Lens has image stabilization. That means it works with Sync IS. It will work with the IBIS in the camera body to give you the maximum image stabilization. And with the 35 millimeter equivalent focal reach of 300 to 800 EFL. My gosh, a 4.5, 800, are you kidding me? But it gets better. It has a built-in 1.25 teleconverter. Now we're up around 1,000 millimeters, folks. And yes, when you put the 2X doubler on there, we're talking about 2,000 millimeters, 35 millimeter equivalent. And it may be possible to hand hold this. Hand hold, 2,000 millimeters. This is going to change birding photography, wildlife photography, sports photography. I predict it's going to cause many people to jump. We do not know the exact date nor the price. I can tell you I have seen a mock-up of the lens. It's It doesn't have its inner jet, but it's pretty exciting. It has all the usual pro features. We'll talk much more about that as news becomes available. Uh, the 2X teleconverter, though, the good news is that will ship in the summertime. We still don't have a price on it either, but that'll take your existing 300 f4 lens and give you 1,200 millimeters EFL. So that's pretty exciting as well. Olympus has also announced a new piece of production software called the Olympus Workspace Image Management Software. It's free. You have to have an Olympus serial number to get it, and uh, it replaces... Image Viewer 3. It is proprietary, and it is actually valuable. It's much nicer in terms of the interface and functionality than the last product. However, it is still very slow, and its usability is suspect on anything but the most powerful machines. It does give you the best look at Olympus RAW file, though. So if you wanted to use it on problem RAW files, it may be worth suffering with slow speed. I hope that Olympus will speed this program up because it could actually be useful to a lot of Olympus owners. Now, this is not just going to be an Olympus show. We're going to talk about all the news. And the next feature is Canon's CEO and his recent statement saying, oh, my goodness, that the digital camera market will continue to, to decline for the next two years. He's being very blunt, open, honest, and transparent about the fact that Canon believes that the market will bottom out at that time. And that's why they are shifting their camera business away from enthusiasts to corporate customers. This doesn't mean Canon is giving up on those of us that like to take pictures in the field. It just means the new focus of the corporate client will be their number one goal. He also said that Canon's revenues have declined around 10% a year in the past few years and that there are people who relied on the mirrorless product to change that. However, it's not gaining them new audience. It's merely converting the DSLR people who want to switch to mirrorless. I think it's pretty obvious that Canon, Nikon, Fuji, Panasonic, Olympus, etc., they're all feeling the pinch from the incredible cell phone cameras we can all buy. Fuji made news this week for not doing something. <laughs> they have firmly said they, like Olympus, will not be making a full-frame mirrorless body. They just won't do it. 
They did announce a new lens, though. It's the GF100 200 f5.6. It'll cost two grand, and it's fitted with their G mount, so it has an effective focal length of 75 to 150 millimeters. There's also big news from Panasonic launching the new Lumix S series. They are going full frame. And for those of you who are Panasonic fans, you now have a full frame option if you want it. The two cameras they're announcing are the Lumix S1R and the Lumix S1. Panasonic has decided to join the full frame DSLM movement, as I call it. Uh, the S1R and the S1 camera bodies will be offered with a 35mm full-frame CMOS sensor. The new cameras are based on an L-mount standard, which is supposed to offer a well-balanced large inner diameter and compact dimensions for a flange focus to realize optimum size for performance and in a mirrorless camera system. What that all means is they're trying to figure out how to make the big honking lenses you need to do full-frame sensors work in a mirrorless world. There's no surprise that uh, the cameras will have beefy video capabilities because they come from Panasonic. And finally, Panasonic has IBIS in a body. The S1R has a 47.3 megapixel full-frame sensor. It's going to be priced at at the exact price of $3,697.99. I'm not sure how they arrived at that price, but there you go. And the DCS1 is a 24.2 megapixel sensor, and it's priced at $2,497. Both cameras are expected in April. Panasonic also announced three new lenses to go with the new camera bodies, a 51.4, a 24.105 zoom, and a 70-200 zoom. I'll have more info on these cameras next month, and we'll be inviting one of the Panasonic ambassadors to come on the show in the next few months to give their impressions of the camera by the time it ships. Now, if you have news that you'd like reported here at Picture Methods on the blog or the podcast, send me an email, scott at picturemethods.com. All right, now it's time for a segment in the podcast I'm going to call Insights. It's just going to be a, a short, brief thought that I'd like you to consider, and it's always going to be aimed at helping you become a better photographer, even though it may not seem like it's photography-related. And this month's Insights... Well, it's simple. Stay off social media as much as you can. I'm not saying don't share your pictures there, because I sure do. But I have made a decision to really roll back the amount of time I spend looking at social media for one simple reason. It's toxic. It's nasty. People are crazy. They're always 10 feet tall when they're in their mom's basement posting on Twitter. And they say things that they would not say to you if they were toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose, and I'm just tired of it. So I have seen it destroy some of my friends who are photographers, good photographers, who have listened to the idiots tell them their work is no good, they should give up, they should just kill themselves. I've seen stuff like this, and it's just insane. It is not good for you. There is nothing to be gained by sitting there for hours and listening to people fight. Here's what you want to do if you want to become a better photographer. Get off your butt, get away from your computer, and go take pictures instead of reading about it, writing about it, talking about it. Go do it. Go take pictures. Now, when you get some pictures, that's fine. Go share them on social media. But then get the heck off and let people say what they say. It's not your job as a photographer to have an opinion 
about your work beyond you care about it. Let others decide if it's good or not. That's not your job. You go make the pictures. You go tell the stories. You go share the memories. You go capture important moments in time, things that are important to you. You share them. You hope that the beauty you put into the world will make it better, and then you get away from it. Have actual friends. Talk to people. Go do what we used to call camera club meetings. I'm going to try to start a thing here. I guess you call them meetups now. But go meet with actual photographers over a beer or over a Diet Coke or over a bonbon. I don't care. Go somewhere and talk to somebody. Shake their hand. Encourage them. Look at the pictures they show you on the back of their camera or in their portfolio. Learn that way. Social media, at least right now, is a very toxic place. And I doubt that if you spend a lot of time on Facebook or Twitter, or similar sites, you're going to find much that's edifying. Now, I'm not saying there isn't good stuff there, because there is, but there's also so much garbage. YouTube comments, YouTube stars who make a living deriding other people and their photography. It's just not healthy, and I know most of you have grown up with it, so you think it's normal, but there are those of us who are ancient, like me, who lived their lives many, many years without any of this stuff. And we all survived and got along just fine. So I would really encourage you to, you know, take it easy. Don't spend so much time listening to all this stuff. That's this month's insights. And if you have insights you think I should share or things you'd like me to talk about, please send me an email, scott at picturemethods.com. And I will consider them because I really want this part of the show to be something that people enjoy. Every single month, I'm going to have an interview guest who will bring something special to the show, their opinion, their point of view, their perspective on something related to photography. And this month is no exception. As promised, we have a very special guest for our inaugural edition of the Picture Methods podcast. He's an incredibly brilliant young man who I've had the pleasure of working closely with for the last 18 months. He is the CEO of Skylum Software, and his name is Alex Sepko. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Hi, Scott. It's it's an honor to be here. Well, you're Thank the you. you're the man behind Skylum right now, and it's a very big deal what's happened at Skylum. Uh, for those of you who are new to my show and me, I switched to Skylum software a couple years ago uh, using a product called Luminar back when they were named Mac Fun. And I have used this product every day since. It has changed my photography workflow. I am still a big believer and advocate in it. I think it's the simplest, easiest, and frankly, most fun, which is a good thing, way to edit your photos. And Alex, we, we have you guys to thank for that. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the program and what's been happening recently. Well, thanks for the intro. N not much to add to tell you the truth because uh, you've, you've done it all. But uh, <laughs> I'll try to, you know, I'll try to give some more information. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the feedback and thanks for kind words. Uh, uh, truth to be told, we are getting more and more feedback like that as we as we you know continue to develop and build the product and uh, the whole idea behind luminar was that we want to create uh, a way for photographers to use um, latest uh, you know latest innovation in their favor 
And uh, before Luminar, the way you know, most of the photographers and you, Scott, as well, uh, used to uh, edit a lot of images was you know, great, but not as streamlined as we thought and uh, uh, as we wanted it to be. And uh, as you know, photographers uh, get paid and uh, for taking pictures, not editing them. So we wanted to uh, have a software work for photographers to save them time and give them the ability to achieve great results at the same, uh, you know, at the same time. So we looked at uh, how we can speed up the process using different technologies, using AI, using some smarter approaches uh, into to speed up the workflow, and that's how the idea of Luminar was born. And uh, we first looked at Luminar as. Uh, uh, you know, a simple plugin to Adobe uh, products. Then we looked at it at something uh, wider and decided that uh, for some people who are using Adobe products, we want to be uh, a good neighbor and a complement, um, uh, and so they can continue using it as a plugin. And for people who may you know have other preferences, they may as well use it as a standalone product. And so that's how the you know we kept uh, developing and. Uh, evolving in terms of the in terms of luminar where where we are right now i'd say we are uh we are still in early years of luminar it's just the beginning of a history of uh, luminar as a photography platform uh, in in its first year we treated it as a product to edit images now we are treating it as a platform to organize uh, edit and edit images and we are getting to uh, to a point in in the near time when Luminar will serve as a platform to manage and organize and edit and enhance and then share and publish the images as well. So basically, whatever a photographer wants to do uh, with his or her images, we'd like to be part of it and uh, speed up the process, give additional creative tools, uh, help achieve the necessary results faster and therefore give photographers some some extra time because you know whatever we do the time is the only asset that we can cheat and we you know basically need to value it as much as we can okay so i'm an old man i know that better than most <laughs> <laughs> well i i wish to know the truth i wish more young people understood that time is is precious at any age so unfortunately yeah, unfortunately it's it takes it takes years to understand it but that's the philosophy behind luminar we just want to give the best tools uh, using the, the latest technology that we have uh, available and then um, allow photographers to just do do things they like uh, faster just to get to get the great results faster well, let's break this down to a couple of things. First of all, I want to make sure that everyone understands. Luminar will run as a plugin to Photoshop or Lightroom. So if you're a big fan of Adobe products, you're going to be able to just extend the capability of those products using Luminar. Right. Do you have any plans right. to change that? Will it always be available as a plugin? Oh, always, always. Okay. And uh, and see, the, the, the philosophy behind that is simple. It's uh, It's not... Well, I wouldn't say it's not in the interest, but it's not it's not right for a software development company to force people to change their workflows. It's it's fair for the software company to speed up the workflow, make it more comfortable, make it make it better. But hey, we are big fans of Adobe to tell the truth. I think it's the well-deserved market leader and we aim to be um, to be you know second to market leader and I I see the world where two companies uh, uh, share the hearts of photographers. It's Adobe and Skylum. 
And I think we are just on the way of doing that. So there will be people who use Adobe products and we want to complement that experience. And just add, that's why we don't just copy or clone Lightroom or Photoshop, which we, we look for some other tools. So there will be part of uh, Luminar that will always work as a plugin, as well as uh, Apple Photos extension, uh, because a lot of people are using photos. Mm -hmm. And then definitely for people who want just to jump fully on Skyward and use it as a, as a library, use it as an editor, use it as a publishing platform, then Luminar will work as a standalone software for Mac, PC, and uh, uh, at some point in the near time on the mobile platform and in the cloud as well. That's very exciting. So um, I, I really think that a lot of demand is coming from that extra direction you just mentioned from mobile mm -hmm. and in the cloud and of course adobe has moved a lot of its product to the cloud right. as far as the standalone goes uh you just released luminar 3 and it's not a replacement for lightroom but what it is is maybe a a i would say it's closer to bridge or you can use it like photo mechanic it's really good for organizing viewing rating your images but I wanted to say, as someone who's using it, what I like about it is uh, a lot of people ask me when Luminar 3 came out, is it going to be like Lightroom where it's strictly reference libraries or is it going to be like Aperture where it's strictly managed libraries? And what the programmers managed to do is come up with a hybrid that I think's very cool. You're able to leave your photos where they are. If you delete them in Luminar 3, you've deleted them from where they were. It's it's really quite an interesting system. Tell me, talk a little bit about that decision. Um, that decision is a is a result of um, months and months of uh, and you know that's cut because you've been uh, part of that uh, and you've inspired us in many ways. But uh, that decision is based on months and months of um, travels around the world, uh, not just in U.S. but in many countries in Europe and Asia as well. And talking to photographers, uh, trying to understand the workflows the, and uh, the way they manage photos. Because just like I said, our approach is always that we don't want to harm. We don't want to change things. We want to improve things and get better. So we checked with photographers. A lot of them uh, are keeping their photos inside Lightroom. And some of them are happy, some of them are not. But then uh, we found uh, literally hundreds of photographers uh, and thousands online that we talked to who keep photos in uh, on the, either external hard drives or cloud or you know, their local hard drive, desks or computers in different folders. And we wanted to take that into consideration, of course. So with library, uh, with Luminar libraries, you, you access your photos where they are, and then you build a structure inside Luminar that, that you like. So it, it, the structure inside the Luminar can easily mirror what you have on the outside drive, be it, be it your computer or be it somewhere else. And, and then it syncs. So um, the software, Luminar, works in full, um, what's the right way to put it? Um, in full sync, okay, it understands your folder structure, it looks at the way, so it doesn't change, it just makes it better, it makes it more comfortable. So imagine you're literally just bringing your library into Luminar and then add all the opportunities with editing and managing it and rating and so on and so forth. Yeah, from, from a user's perspective, I'll tell you what I think you're talking about that really impressed me was I have a folder of images. And I add, that, that folder's in Luminar 3, and it's, it's listed in the library. And I add a couple of pictures into that folder. Let's say it's my portfolio folder. Next time right. I open Luminar, they just show up. 
It's incredible. You don't Correct. have to do anything. And they just show up because of that sinking you're talking about. It's 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 interesting that you you've mentioned the word portfolio because this is the way we looked at libraries in reality. You know, usually photographers are used to the fact that they can have their portfolios somewhere online with you know great platforms smugmug or flickr or somewhere else and they treat that as a portfolio and usually in the software itself the way images are presented is more i'd say uh, almost too technical if you want to put it this way so we when we started to build library we wanted you to access your images of course but we also uh, thought about how we present the images so we wanted that the images inside the lumina inside the software don't just look as a list of images or just squares of images we literally wanted that to be your portfolio so if you look at lumina libraries you'll see that uh, you know you have those different sizes of squares you can go full screen you can you can change the look so it's almost like you're looking at your portfolio inside Luminar, and you can enjoy the images and do whatever you want. And then, of course, if you want to tweak them and enhance, you can use the tools. It's really well done, in my opinion. But there have been some challenges, particularly on the Windows side, listening to the feedback. Right. And uh, I'd like you to have a chance to acknowledge that and to address it. Oh, thank you for that. Uh, that's actually uh, that's very important because uh, you know, just praising yourself and uh, talking about you know great things is it's is easy okay and um, just being fair in with customers and uh, that's things are not you know ideal that's I think that that takes real courage and real professionalism so yeah for for sure for for Skyl as you know Skyloom previously Mac Fun we've done a lot on the Mac platform. We are, we are freshmen, okay, well, not freshmen, let's say we are senior, not seniors, sophomores, okay, <laughs> if, you, if you look at high school in Windows development. So we are getting there. And there are just so many uh, Windows machines, and there's so many different uh, tech aspects of it. So things are not smooth, okay? And we're just getting there. And uh, I, I think that uh, it's, it's, it's fair to, to say that we are not... I, I'm not personally happy with uh, the way things are on the Windows platform and in, in some cases on the Mac platform, but I, I know that the team is working six days a week and they just get the rest on Sundays until we get things polished up. So we are currently addressing a lot of different issues, some of them reported by users, some of them reported by our beta team. Both uh, We have an external and internal beta teams from different countries of the world who test the software on a regular basis from our customers as well. So we are, that's, that, these different issues are being addressed. We, we will launch a, a new version, a new update early in February. And then we, we also plan to release a new update at least uh, two or three times every quarter. So, so it makes either you know, one, one update per one update per month. And the reason why we want to ship that is we don't want people to just wait until we get everything done in, in, in one version, okay? So we'll be adding these performance updates and new features and some other things to different versions at, this, at a different time. We'll, we'll release the Windows updates and Mac updates, not at the same time, because we, 
we don't want different users and different platforms to wait for each other. We, we literally want to release the performance updates and improvements when we think we are ready. So we, we, we'll, be, we'll continue to address those different um, issues. First of all, definitely different bugs and performances. Uh, performance issues and of course uh, new, new, we'll be adding new features um, that that are focused on speeding up the workflow and uh, getting there uh, I think that uh, my, my personal uh, that's you know I'm, I'm not switching to not Alex the CEO of Skylum but more of us uh, Alex uh, luminar user uh, I th with some internal uh, you know with some insights from the company so I think that uh, within the next uh, three months, uh, we'll get to the quality that is um, that will be satisfying for most users, especially the users on all the Windows machines, uh, because we we had to we had to buy 15 uh, Windows machines from from the stock just to test on them um, uh, because we didn't have them in you know in our, in our offices, so we we continue doing the testing and everything. So by the end of this quarter, we'll get. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get a lot of improvements, and uh, hopefully this will um, find its place in the hearts of uh, the users who are not happy right now. Um, again, I know, Scott, so sorry about that, I know I, I talk a lot, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really passionate about this, That's and this okay. is something I, I wake up and go to bed with, uh, you know, with thinking how many days we have left until the you know, launch of new version and fixing all these little and big things. So that's that's coming. We are addressing everything. I'm I'm looking at every feedback and uh, yeah, we we're getting there. All right. Well, the time's just about up. I do want to make sure we don't go on without telling folks uh, where they can find Luminar, how they can buy it, where they can get support. So, where would you like me to direct people? Well, uh, just do the skylum.com. It's 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 all there. It's all clear. Um, one thing that I, I want to mention, Scott, really quickly. Um, so, what I've asked. Uh, so, one thing that we we re we are really missing is the feedback from customers on what exactly they want to achieve uh, from Luminar. So, what we uh, and it's not just. Taste is a different, okay? It's uh, everyone has different uh, desires. So what we are doing right now is every time, uh, every time someone purchases the software, um, we we send a little little email asking, you know, what what do you want to achieve uh, with Luminar? And the the reply goes directly to my email, so no fakes. It's my email, CEO at Skylum.com. And I, I read every single email. So if if current customers or future customers of Luminar are listening uh, right now, then know when when you, when you'll get an email asking uh, asking you what would you like to achieve. That's not a marketing tactic. That's a real thing. And uh, I read through every email and uh, try to reply to as many as I like, or just forward to a team. So that's the feedback is what drives us and helps us uh, make the product the way you know you you guys deserve it. So we we are getting there together with you. Well, it's Skylum.com, and if you can't remember that, just visit visit the Picture Methods podcast homepage, which is PictureMethods.com. There is a banner on the right side of the page uh, for every single blog post, which links to Skylum as well. I got to tell you, I, I've been in love with this software since the first day I started using it, and I continue to use it, and 
I enjoy watching it mature. I enjoy the fact that these updates are, you're talking about are free. I enjoy the fact that this is a buyout product. It's not a subscription. There are many things I like about it. Uh, and I want you to know, Alex, that I think the audience is rooting for you. So I thank you very much for taking time out of your super busy day uh, to come on our show. And we will look forward to watching progress. And in a few months, I'll have you back. How's that? You got it. Hey, it will be my honor. Thanks a lot. Thanks All a lot, right. Scott. That's Alex Sepko. He's the CEO of Skylum. We'll be back in just a moment with more of the Picture Methods podcast. Every single month, we're going to have a guest right here on the Picture Methods podcast. You want to tune in each month to see who it will be, but I can already tell you who will be on our next show. It'll be Derek Story. Derek is an incredible guy. He's one of my favorite podcasters and photography teachers. You will not want to miss this episode, I promise, because if Derek's around, we're going to have some fun, period. Now, here it comes. This is the portion of the show that many of you, I know, enjoy the most based on feedback I've gotten from 10, 12 years of podcasting. It's time for Q&A. We're going to do some Q&A on every show. If you want your question answered on the show, just send it to me via email, scott at picturemethods.com. Now, I did get some questions prior to recording this first show. I reached out on social media, got a hold of a couple of people, asked them what they wanted me to talk about. And I did get two questions to launch our podcast with. And the first one comes from Joy in Tampa, Florida. Joy says, Scott, what's it like to be an Olympus visionary? And how does one become a member of one of the manufacturer's ambassador teams? That is a great question, Joy. And I have to tell you, it's pretty cool being an Olympus visionary. You do have the option of asking to be a, an ambassador. You can send an email to any of these companies. It's probably one of many they will get every day. Olympus does actually have a page on their Olympus Visionary site that says, if you want to be a visionary, send us an email. And I'm sure hundreds of people do that every month because there are some cool perks to being a visionary. You do get some free gear. I would like to point out that I bought all my cameras before I became a visionary <laughs> and then they made me a visionary and gave me some free gear I hate that order of events but that's the way it went um, for me it was very simple they reached out to me so that's the way I became an Olympus visionary they said would you like to be one I had been friendly with the visionary team and knew a lot of people um, but they asked me and I said yes and I'm happy that I did uh, it's been a great couple of years you get to go on outings with your fellow visionaries once a year, at least at Olympus here we do that. And you get to go speak at trade shows, camera stores, etc. And yes, you get paid for that. Uh, for me, the thing that attracted me is I'd have an opportunity to license my images to Olympus for their commercial use. And I'm always interested in that because that's how I make my living. Licensing pictures is where the money is, not selling prints, although I do sell some prints. Um, you get free gear, you get not everything for you don't get every camera lens etc it's not like that but if if you're a bird photographer like i am you get the gear that a bird photographer would need we get some cool swag i still have a couple of cool jackets and coats uh, and you get to let everybody know how you feel about the brand i enjoy that part because i love olympus cameras and lastly i think you know one of the things i like most about it is you get to have direct contact with the manufacturer you get to talk to the R&D team, the sales team, the marketing team. You get to let people know what you'd like to see happen on the cameras. And some of the things that came out on the new X are the direct result 
of feedback that my fellow visionaries and I gave a year ago this time in San Francisco at our last visionary summit. As for the other manufacturers, I'm sure they have pages or portals that you can go through. One of the things that I would suggest is if you use their product and you think your photography is up to snuff, start tagging their cameras, uh, their lenses in all of your social media posts. That's one of the ways that Olympus became aware of me. I think that can help you. So if you use a product, tag it. Now, you're giving them free advertising, and they may not pick you, but that's a way to get on their radar. I think it's a great question. Thanks for asking it. Uh, question number two is going to be controversial. I can already tell I'm going to get some mail on this one, but I'm going to try to tackle it because I think it's important. It comes from Andy in San Bruno, California. Scott, there seems to be so much confusion about crop sensor cameras and how people should judge the aperture of a given lens due to the change in sensor size from full frame. Can you help me make sense of this? Sigh. Yes, I can. Uh, the main thrust of the arguments behind this question, and I hate to say it, the full frame mafia is behind this. They have a desire to imply that your crop sensor camera cannot deliver the same bouquet that a full frame camera can do because the depth of field is different. That you'll have more depth of field if you have a crop sensor camera. The thing is, this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with bouquet or bokeh as some people call it. That's easily controlled by lens selection, distance from the camera to the subject, and distance from the subject to the background. So full frame all the way down to the smallest sensor made, I can get a beautiful bouquet if I know what I'm doing. Here's a couple of hints, for instance, if you have a long lens and you are at the minimum close focusing distance with that lens, at f22, at f32, your depth of field will be a fraction of a tenth of an inch. This is physics. It's always the rule. When you are close to your subject, you reduce depth of field. And likewise, when the distance between your subject and the background is great, you get a beautiful bouquet because it falls outside the range of depth of field. So if that is the reason you're concerned, don't be. You can control that with lens selection, subject to camera distance, subject to background distance. But yes, the size of the sensor does impact depth of field. I said it. There you go. But it probably doesn't change the depth of field in the manner in which you think it does. Uh, lots of people think it's the crop factor of the smaller sensors that's the culprit. Um, that's only true if you plug in the 35 millimeter equivalent focal length into your calculations in place of the actual focal length. So on a 300, if you want to treat it like a 600, that it would be on an Olympus camera in terms of field of view, well then yes, it's going to impact depth of field. But if you treat it like a 300, uh-uh, not going to happen. doesn't change anything because it's a 300 on a crop sensor body. So use your calculations to figure depth of field based on the actual lens focal length, not the field of view created by the smaller sensor, and you solve the problem again. Now, there's one other section in this debate that needs to be discussed, and I just had an exchange with a fellow on the Internet who has got it dead wrong. When we talk about this, we cannot escape the fact that light pass-through is the same. F8 is F8 is F8 is F8, it's F8, it's F8 on any lens, on any sensor, on any lens, on any sensor, period.
always end of discussion. So the same amount of light passes through at f8 on a full frame camera with a lens as it does on a crop sensor. If you set the aperture to f8, you'll get f8's worth of light. If it's 2.8, it'll be 2.8 worth of light. It doesn't affect the amount of light passing through the lens. It does affect depth of field, but not the amount of light passing through. So if you're concerned that your 2.8 won't be bright enough on a crop sensor camera, don't be. It is absolutely not a problem. Now, I know you'll find a pixel peeper, a measure beater, or a geartographer who does not like my answer to this question, but it is the correct one. I've been at this a while. You can do anything you want about these problems if you know what you're doing. Like I say, you can change your depth of field by by moving closer, moving further away, changing the subject to background distance, if bokeh is your concern. Now, if bokeh is not your concern, then you need to look at the actual focal length of the lens, not the crop sensor equivalent, and you'll be fine. And you will always get the same amount of light. Now, if you want to flame me, go ahead. I'm used to it, but you can't change the facts. I hope that those of you who are sincere in learning about this and don't just want to be pedantic and try to find a word I said that was wrong will learn from it because all this has to do with your photography is understanding where it impacts your position in the world, where you want to put your camera, your lens, how much light you need, etc. It, it's not a, a topic you want to spend a lot of time worrying about as long as you understand these basic principles. If you didn't get that, listen to this answer again. However, I am going to work on a white paper, which I will post at picturemethods.com sometime this spring. I'm going to put a lot of work into it. I'm going to get some help from some other friends. And we're going to go into detail. And we're even going to show fancy math formulas for those who like that kind of stuff to explain these concepts. For me personally, I'd rather just go take pictures than engage in a mind-numbing discussion about depth of field, but I know it's going to happen. So because I get concerned that people will operate on incorrect information, I do occasionally like to address these sorts of things, even though I know it could be, you know, something that will be controversial. I'm not trying to be controversial. I'm trying to be helpful. So take that for what it's worth and be sure to send me your questions. If you want to get involved with the show, Send them to scott at picturemethods.com. I get more questions than I can put on the show, trust me. But I still want to hear from you. If I get three or four questions about the same topic, that's an indicator to me that I should cover it. So I will. So send me questions, scott at picturemethods.com. All right. One last thing before I go, and that is I'm going to end each show with a word of encouragement. It's not much, but it's my attempt to put something out there that's positive, no matter how negative the world seems to be. For those listening, I assume you're either a photographer or very interested in becoming one. If you are a photographer, you no doubt suffer trolls, jerks, naysayers who seem to get off on attacking you and your photography. I face this problem on a daily basis, yet I've managed to be able to pull this off for 47 years. I'm doing exactly what I want to do. I'm successful. I get to have fun. I get to do things I never dreamed I'd get to do because I simply ignore it. I just don't let it control my life. What somebody else says about me is completely 
out of my control. Same for you. I can't influence what you think of me. I can only do what I do and hope for the best. So I hope to encourage you to do the same. Decide what your dream is. This is how I got over all this stuff. I came up with a plan. Decide what your dream is. Don't accept a substitute. I wanted to be a bird photographer. Now, I get that many of you think that's a crazy dream, and maybe it is. But that was my dream. I wanted to be a bird photographer. Guess what? I'm a bird, I'm a bird photographer. I get paid for my bird pictures. How cool is that? Whatever you want to do, own it. Stake your ground. Stand there. Take the heat. Don't let anybody sway you. Now, this is really important. If you want to get past all this stuff, you've got to be able to answer one important question. Why is that your dream? Because I'll tell you right now, the one thing that I know 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 is true in this world is people do not care what you do. The what is not important. They care why you do it. If you can articulate with specificity your why, your reason, you are definitely on your way to success. I can promise you. Focus on that, not the negative. The next step is key. Surround yourself with positive people. Be sure to get rid of the negative people in your life. Until you take this step, it's going to be very hard to win. If somebody's following you that constantly trolls you, just block them. I block people every day. I don't care if it's socially acceptable. I'm not going to let that stuff into my brain. You shouldn't either. You're better than that. And if you're in pursuit of your dream, trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. Trust your instincts. Realize that you can't cheat time, though. You will fail. You've got to practice. It's going to take time. But if you learn from each failure, you can move forward. Work on your dreams. Do it daily. Don't let anyone tell you you're not good enough because I've heard it all my life, and I'm still doing it. I guarantee you, I am the least among you. I am the worst photographer probably of anybody listening. But I make it work because I have so much passion. If you have passion, if you have a dream, and if you can focus on that and not the negative, get rid of the negative, you will succeed. And no matter what, you've got at least one person rooting for you in this world. That's me. I'm here if you need me. Send me an email, scott at picturemethods.com. I really want to help. That's why I'm doing this show. So let me know. As we wrap up, I want to say thank you very much for listening. Please tell your friends about picturemethods.com. I want to get this thing off the ground with a bang. If you want to follow me on social media to look at my pictures, I'm not going to be doing much there other than that. I'm at uh, Facebook Scott Bourne, LinkedIn Scott Bourne, Twitter Scott Bourne, Instagram for some reason I'm born.scott. I don't know why. And on Flickr I'm Scott Bourne. You can also always hear from me at picturemethods.com and please feel free to send me an email, scott at picturemethods.com. I read every email. If I can help you, I will. That's all there is to it. I'm so glad that you came by, and I will see you next month at picturemethods.com for the Picture Methods podcast. Hi, this is Vanelli. Thanks for listening to my friend Scott Bourne's Picture Methods podcast. Be sure to visit www.picturemethods.com for more photography insights and inspiration, and to subscribe.